Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina, and joining me again is Dairyfield AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. How are you doing today? Well, I'm in my office right now. I'm in the AC, so I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. And yeah. about uh, about an hour from now when we're done with this, I, I think it's going to be a different story. But for now, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat uh, or a similar boat. I've retreated to uh, the basement because this is the coldest spot in the house. Before we get started, I've got some exciting news to announce. Starting this week, the Ninth State Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Roger Howe of the Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. Just like the weather, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with the Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of the Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, if you're listening to this right now, you're probably wondering... What day? Wait a minute. What day is it? Did I did I sleep through the week? No, you're not. You didn't. It's Tuesday. Don't worry. Uh, with the postseason uh, coming to an end this week, we're actually going to be working a little overtime here to give you uh, two podcasts. Uh, obviously, this one, and then uh, Friday morning, uh, we'll have a fresh podcast available on nh-highschoolsports.com, uh, where we will, uh, you know, with um, the uh, boys semifinals taking place over the next couple of days we'll we'll spend that time doing uh, a preview of the boys championship games uh, that are scheduled for this saturday and then uh, next week we'll go back to our uh, regularly scheduled thursday morning podcasts uh, for the remainder of the month uh, remainder of the season um you know and we'll we'll recap the championship games uh, on that show and uh and then we'll have a couple few or a couple of things uh, in store for you as we wrap up uh this month and the 2021 season but uh but right now we are going to uh talk a little bit about the playoff action from that that's happened since the last time we talked and uh actually you know what before we get into that uh chris wanted to wanted to ask you i know we've we've used the opening kind of portion of the podcast to talk some college lacrosse obviously that came to an end a week ago today uh as we record this but i i I did want to ask you did you get did you catch any of the uh premier lacrosse league action from over the weekend uh, very, very little. I did get to see, uh, the cannons and the Redwoods play. That was a great game. Um, but not as much, no, not this weekend. I didn't, um, you know, I think once I get through the do too much playoff prep, right? I know, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Between, uh, between daddy duty and uh, playoff prep, I did not get to watch as much as I want, but I know you did. I got some texts from you, uh, <laughs> Any uh, any particular guys or, or team stand out to you this weekend? Well, I I, I same I only saw the game uh, Friday night, uh, which was just I, I mean, I've seen some a little some highlights here and there of some of the other games from the weekend, but the game Friday night, uh, as you said, was um, Redwoods and Cannons uh, was just a phenomenal game. Um, it was back and forth. Um, you know, one team uh, the Redwoods owned the second quarter, the Cannons owned the third quarter. Uh, and then it, it was a, a 12-11 final um, red, with the Redwoods winning. Um, it was just – and it came down to, to you know, end-of-game situation too, uh, like a lot of the college games it felt like we were talking about last week. Um, so, yeah, it was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, it was kind of cool, you know, of course, seeing it. it uh, they were playing at Gillette uh, this weekend, this past weekend. So it was kind of neat, you know, getting to see that stadium uh, set up for 
you know, something other than, than football or, or, or soccer. Um, you know, that, w- that was pretty cool. I did see uh, someone, I, I don't, um, don't know obviously who they were shooting for, but I noticed there was a photographer at one point set up directly behind the goal, um, right on the end line. And I said to my wife, I was like, that man's insane. <laughs> I, I mean, I realize he's right behind the goal, so that maybe cuts down on, on you know, getting hit a little bit. But still, uh, you couldn't pay me to sit there um, without, a, without like, any netting or anything in front of me. Uh, How do you so do that? How do you do that and not flinch? I so. have no idea. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, y- you've talked sometimes about how, how goalies are a different breed of person. Uh, and I can tell you um, many of the photographers that I've met over the years – shooting for newspapers or whatever, uh, they're a different breed of person too. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there's a certain amount that are just, you just nuts. Uh, and, and maybe this guy is, but yeah, I, I, I saw that and was like, holy cow, uh, that's, that's next level. Uh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was the, like I said, the game that I saw and then the highlights I've seen since then, it was a lot of fun. I, uh, you know, I, I did a little, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't mention this on a high school podcast, but, uh, you know, I did put a little wager on, on the, the weekend. I did a nice little five game, uh, parlay there and, uh, almost won. Uh, I got four out of five, right? So that felt pretty good. Uh, you know, as, as close as it, were you, as were you as in it, were you in it for most of the weekend? Did I it come down actually, to the end it, or did you know early? Uh, no, know early I, I got the first three, right. Dropped the, uh, the fourth game and then got the fifth game. So I went into Sunday looking at it like, Oh man, I don't think I've ever, ever come this close to winning one of these. So well, there you go. Yeah. I was more, di- I was more disappointed that I, I had to put up with hearing about Chris Hogan for so long and then they don't even, and then they don't even dress. Him. <laughs> yeah, I got to watch, I, I got to watch documentary. I got to watch documentaries and hear nonstop about Chris Hogan. And then we don't even get to see him out there. But uh, it was pretty cool though, to see uh, Paul Rabel, you know, he did not have a good year last year and to have him come out and, and star in the first game, getting four points was, uh, was pretty cool to see him, you know, just from a, from a nostalgia standpoint, right. uh, as I as I was leaving the MLL, he was coming in. I I only got one practice with him before <laughs> uh, before my final, and then uh, and then so it's it's neat to see him making a comeback there. And then you know looking at the you know the stars came out for the red. You got Rob Pinnell, uh, Miles Jones, Matt Cavanaugh, Perkovic. I mean guys like that that you know we watched all through uh, all through college star. They they came out and played really well. So um, yeah, great great start. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that, like you said, as as we get past the next uh, again, obviously it'll be another busy weekend this weekend um, on the high school scene. But I'm hoping to watch a little bit more. Definitely get in a little bit more as as this uh, season goes along. Kind of bummed that the fir- that the Gillette weekend is the first one. Um, you know that it that it it crosses over with all the high school stuff. So, you know, no, no real opportunity to get down there. Um, but oh well. That's uh, that's the way it goes. Maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe take a road trip somewhere this summer and, and go to one of the other. I think they're playing a couple in New York as well. Not too bad. Yeah, good road trip. So, but yeah. So anyway, uh, we we do want to talk about all of the uh, the high school action and um, <laughs> certainly a busy busy uh, weekend. Uh, I might have you know talking about crazy photographers. I decided to be the uh, the crazy uh i I don't know reporter uh that was an incredible schedule you put (laughs) together for saturday and 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 given that given the weather and the heat that you you dealt with that was uh that was pretty impressive i i will say i was um i was very prepared um i don't know if you noticed i even had a wardrobe change uh at one point um 
you know, in between, actually, actually, right before the rain started was when, was when I made that. I, I brought an extra shirt with me just in case and decided to make that switch in it because, you know, the first one was getting a little, uh, a little ripe. So, uh, right. went with a new shirt. And of course, as soon as I did that, it started pouring and I got soaked anyways. So, uh, that was, uh, yeah, I was, I had food. Uh, I had lots of water. I had a couple, a couple other drinks, um, you know, like some Gatorade type drinks. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was a fun day. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Uh, Sunday was a little tough, um, especially bet. getting up to go to the other job. Um, and and last night when I when I uh, Sunday night when I got home, I definitely crashed, um, which you can probably tell that as to the fact that I got some of the uh, stories from Saturday not up until Monday morning, but um, they're they're there and hopefully they they came out okay and are, are coherent. Uh, I thought they were at least when I posted them. Um, but it was, I mean, it was a great day, too. I mean, there you know, a couple surprises, uh, you know, specifically that uh, that Hollis Brookline Timberline game. Timberline, excuse me. Yeah, you caught you um, caught a good one. You caught a good one yeah, earlier. Yeah, that was a great game. Uh, the other thing I, I want to mention, too, are the, the crowds are back. Um, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, uh, but I showed up at, at Londonderry for the first game, the Pinkerton Londonderry game, and I, I've been to – you know, Pinkerton Londonderry lacrosse games before, but I showed up at that and, and the girls game too last Wednesday when they, they met in the playoffs that had a nice crowd too. But this one, I showed up and I, I couldn't believe how packed the parking lot was. Like, I know it's, a, I know it's the rivalry, I, you know, but there were just, there were so many people at that game and wow, was it great to have, uh, students there heckling the, the visiting team. Um, you know, they've had a lot of time to come up with some new creative things, and um, I'm not going to repeat any of them. I was going to say, I mean, uh, nothing you can no, share on air right no, now? No, probably not. Probably should not. They even, uh, I felt kind of bad for them that they, they even heckled the, the uh, kid from Pinkerton who was there filming some of the game for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought, man, this is, that's... Uh, they did their homework. Yeah. They did their homework. Yeah, but no, it was just, a, it was a great day. Um a little bit longer than I thought too, because of the weather. Uh, ended up being about five and a half games instead of just five, but that's that was quite all right. Um, yeah, I, I I had a great time. Uh, I don't know if I would do that many games in a day again, uh, but it was definitely definitely worth it. So where do you want to? So that leads us in. Where do yeah, you want to? Um, you had a you had a lot of you saw a lot of good games. <laughs> where do you uh, where do you want to start? What kind of? What, we, I think we should let's start with with the D one boys side. Um, okay. You know that's those are the first uh, semis coming up uh, this week for the boys. Uh, of course they play on Tuesday night. Uh, you got um, Exeter hosting Pinkerton, which will actually be a four o'clock start on Tuesday because the girls D one final is also at Exeter scheduled for seven. So they bumped that game up an hour. Um, that's Ooh, a four. That's gonna be a hot. Uh, yeah. That's gonna be a hot one. Yeah, uh, and potential for another another weather delay too. Um, weather delays, water breaks. That's gonna be a long. Yeah. That's got the potential yeah. to be a long one because usually when the heat index rises like that, they usually do. Uh, I know we did on Saturday. We had uh, yep. at the six minute marks. We did water breaks there, and uh, it was definitely needed. So. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other semifinal, they actually did bump back uh, Bishop Girton playing at Bedford. That's going to be a seven o'clock start on Tuesday. Um, you know, and I and I, I think um, especially you know early in the season, I think we thought uh, a couple weeks in, we thought this could be the final four. Um, you know, and when we saw the breakdown of the regions and the bracket, this this definitely looked like 
what we might have expected the Final Four to look like with with Pinkerton and Exeter on one side and, and Bedford and BG on the other. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm expecting that game at Exeter to be a battle. Um, you know, they played two games a couple weeks ago. Exeter won both by two goals, but, I mean, they were certainly anyone's game. Um, and I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't expect this, uh, this Tuesday to be any different. Yeah, and we talked about, you know, in, in both of those games, both coaches probably playing it a little close to the vest, knowing that uh, knowing that they were going to be, knowing that they were likely going to see each other in the semifinals again. Um, you know, and I, I, I do like the way Pinkerton has been battle-tested. I mean, you know, they've had to play Londonderry, you know, three times in a relatively close span of time. As long as they, you know, I, I haven't heard that, you know, any injuries have come from that. Um, but, you know, they're playing really good defense right now. They're facing off well. Cole Franks, even though he's a freshman, is doing a great job there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in a hot day like that, how much does Coach Holly, you know, use Spencer Clark in the faceoff circle when, you know, that takes so much out of it. It's, it's such a luxury to have a guy like Cole Franks where, like, that's his job, right? Like, okay, right. face off, get us the ball, and then you're getting off and we got other guys coming on. Where with Spencer, if you have to use him – you know, that starts to wear him out as, as the game goes on. So it'll be, it, that'll be an interesting little chess match to see in that game there too. Um, you know, I know Aiden Drunzik on the uh, Exeter side, he was a little beat up earlier this year. Now, you know, I'm hearing he's back at full strength playing well, um, you know, and then, and then does Connor Holly continue to, to show up when the, when the lights have been brightest, he's been a, he's been a star all season for them. So, um, you know, interesting you know they, they say what's the what's the saying it's tough to beat a good team three times okay, right yep, and yep. uh you know so it'll be if if exeter gets through this they will have definitely earned their way into the into the finals this year yeah you mentioned um connor and the uh, connor holly and the game i saw uh that was at pinkerton a few weeks ago he um i mean he pulled them back into that game i think it was three nothing after pinkerton after one quarter and uh and then yep. he scored four goals in the second quarter to get them get them the lead that they didn't give up the rest of the way. Um, you know, but the interesting point uh, you said about beating a team three times, Pinkerton's had to do that the last, you know, you know, going back before, uh, you know, the lost year. Um, I think they, the, the previous two seasons, they had to play, they played Exeter twice in the regular season and then in the semifinals and won all six of those games, those two years. Uh, so they're on the flip side of that now. Um, definitely something that, that um, you know, Pinkerton coach Steve Goudreau, you know, was was talking about Saturday after their win over Londonderry. Um, so it's it's on their minds, um, you know, that, that just because they've lost to the to Exeter twice doesn't mean that they're going to lose to them or that they have to lose to them again. Um, you know, so yeah, it's an that's an interesting thing, and and we've seen it in a couple places. I think um, already, you know, you I think of uh, another game I was at last week between Trinity and Campbell, with Campbell winning two of those games during the regular season, and then. Trinity flipping flipping the script on them in uh, in the the playoffs and getting the win there. So, you know, it, it's it's possible. I also just it's, pulled. It, oh, it's just, just going to say real quick. I pulled up the weather for tomorrow or for Tuesday, and uh, as of right now, Monday afternoon, it says uh, four o'clock in Exeter, 39 percent chance of showers. Feels like ninety four. Humidity forty nine percent. I was going to say that's the the humidity is the the humidity yeah. is the key there. Um, and it's, it's definitely going to be, it's going to feel, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for those kids mm -hmm. on the field there, Yeah. you know, uh, no matter, no matter how you do it. Um, but luckily both, you know, most of these teams in D one have, have large benches and I think they're going to get tested. You know, they're going to, they're going to need to use a lot of kids in these games. Um, you know, sticking with that theme, 
who are some of the guys that, that have stood out for you? You know, for me on, on Pinkerton, you know, I'm looking at a guy like a, a Michael Uber who maybe flew under the radar a little bit in the beginning of the season, but now is coming on. Um, you know, most guys know about Riley. Most people know about Riley Spellman at this point. Anybody else for Pinkerton that you, you kind of you see that might uh, might need to step up and have a big game uh, in order for them to, to pull off, I guess, what you would call an upset at this point? Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, the last few times I've seen them, uh, Ryan Lynch seems to come up with a goal at a point when, you know, they really need one. Um, there wasn't a lot of scoring in that game against Londonderry, and, you know, it was, it was 6-3 at halftime. And I want to say he had the first goal of the second half, you know, after, I mean, it, it was a sloppy, sloppy game um, that they just kept throwing the ball around, both teams throwing the ball around. And he got a goal, I think, that made it, uh, I want to say made it 7-3 um, and kind of got Pinkerton going. You know, they scored a couple goals real quick after that uh, to really, like, give themselves a, enough breathing room in that game. Um, so I've seen, you know, he's he's stepped up, um, you know, when I've seen them. Obviously, um, Mason Barbone seems to have, a couple of yep. goals too, um, whenever they need them. And obviously, I mean, Hunter Druin, um, you know, they've, they've tried to, to maybe make him more of a facilitator, I think at times to get other guys involved. But lately it seems like when, when they need a goal, he's been there, obviously their goal to go to guy. And they're maybe getting a little bit more scoring out of him than, than assists, um, or that they were getting earlier in the year. So I think he's done a, a really improved in, in terms of, being that guy, he's not just a scorer. He's the guy that that's finding the open man too. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's drawing the best defender, and he hasn't allowed himself to be shut down. And now he knows whenever he goes, they're gonna send a they're gonna send a uh, a slide early, and he's got to become a smarter player. He's got to know that, you know, the two slides probably gonna be there. Can you find the skip lane? Can can you find that guy that's cutting off ball? And he's been doing he's been doing a really good job of that, and that's that's gonna need to happen because there's no way that that Exeter is just gonna allow him to go unabated to the goal. I mean, if it happens in transition, sure, that might happen. But, uh, yeah, all those guys you mentioned, Barbone, Uber, uh, Aiden Price, uh, you know, Ryan Lynch, you know, Spellman, all those guys are going to have to have to step up in this game and and be guys that, uh, you know, um, can get the job done. Yeah. And, and I'm, uh, their defense has gotten a lot better. I think as the year's gone on too. um, you know, um, drawing a blank on his name uh curtis michaud uh you know has stepped up for them in goal i feel like he's gotten um a little bit more playing time in these big games um and he's done well uh declan turner has been uh big for them uh all year on defense and he's you know he's really stepped up and and maybe uh become one of the top guys i think in the division uh on defense so um you know they're gonna need big games from both of those guys i would think um you know to have a shot at this one yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Misho and Net. I mean, I think what did he have? Uh, he had close to ten saves the other day, and in the, in the eight, ten saves, something like that. Somewhere in, in that, na- yeah, game. somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. But it was an it was an interesting second half because I I had Londonderry, I think with with maybe five shots total in the second half of that game. Yeah, I uh, mean, I that's what I mean. I think I think Pinkerton is just playing really physical, really yeah. good, solid team defense right now. And they're not asking Michaud to do a lot, but when he has been, you know, he's making the saves that he needs to make, um, which could be key. You know, I think that is that is an area. Faceoffs and goaltending are obviously in the playoffs are at a premium, you know, and those are if there is a weakness to Exeter, those are two areas where they may not be quite as strong as the rest of right. rest of their yeah. team. Um, so, you know, in a, in a close game like that, that those guys that could that could be the difference yeah. um, if they can if they can continue to play that strong defense there. You know, and then then the other game, um, 
I mean, it, it's, I don't want to say, you know, never, never say never kind of thing, but, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on Bedford, uh, going into pulling off the upset in this one. Um, it's a tall, it's a it's, definitely a yeah, tall task. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it's going to be hard because you've got to, you've got to slow the pace of the game down. You've got to get the ball. Um, you know, they, the, the problem is in order to slow it down, you, you've got to be able to move the ball around the horn and BG is not going to allow you to do that. Right. They're going to, yeah. they're going to press the tempo with, with the three defensemen that they have. Um, you know, they're, they're just going to, you know, Sullivan, Ahern, Cranny, um, you know, they, they, they can just press out all over the field and with JJ facing off, you're, you're not just going to be able to throw it around and take a minute or two off the clock and then run a play and then run another play. And then, you know, it's. So they're going to, they're going to dictate, I'll be shocked if they don't dictate the tempo. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be really, really, it's going to put a lot of pressure on, on Bedford on defense right away. Um, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be tough for them to hold up, but they, they've done, they've done an amazing job. I mean, to get to, to get to the final four in a year where maybe they were kind of uh, rebuilding a little bit. Um, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a great accomplishment for them. Yeah, this was was definitely um you know we really I don't think we knew what to really expect from them going into the year and uh to see them in this spot see Bedford in this spot I think is uh just a huge accomplishment. Um and you're right, you know you, you mentioned the the pace in that too and and even if even if Bedford's doing all the things that it it wants to do and maybe you know it's just not finding ways to finish or um you know, it, it, it's still one of those those situations with with BG where you can feel like you're playing well, and you look up at the scoreboard and you're down six one. You know, at the end of the first quarter or something right. like that. So it's you know, it's one of those things where you can't get frustrated either, and that's I think that's probably a pretty pretty tough um, thing to do if you know if you are giving up goals and 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 or not scoring them on your own end. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, it's. It's going to be, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, especially with the weather too. I mean, it, you know, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be hard not to, you know, you're going to have to spend an awful lot of energy, even with the game being played at seven o'clock at night, it's still going to be humid. It's still going to be sticky out. And, you know, to have to play as hard as you are on defense uh, for sustained periods of time, it's only going to be natural that guys are going to break down. Um, but I mean, you watched, you watched Bedford play Sauhegan the other night. If, you know, if they are able to, if they are able to sustain themselves and, and give BG a run, you know, who, who are some of the guys that you think might have to, might have to step, well, are going to have to step up for them on offense and defense. I mean, they're, they're going to need, they, they've gotten a great year out of, um, out of goalie, uh, Matt Desmond, um, yep. all, all year he's been, um, you know, he's been a guy that I feel like has been improving, you know, throughout the season. Every time I've seen him, he looks a little bit better. Um, you know, had a tough start, I think, to the year. Um, the first first game I saw them was against Pinkerton, and that was, um, you know, that was a rough game, I think, for for Bedford across the board. But he's gotten better, like I said, every time I've seen him. He's going to have to, I think, have a, a a huge game if if Bedford has any shot. Um, Connor Obersto on on offense, yep. um, he had uh, I want to say five goals against Sauhegan, and a couple of them were just kind of ridiculous. I'm sure. I think I saw one going around on social media yesterday where he just was kind of like running across the front of the goal had two or three Sauhegan guys on him and just flipped the ball one-handed at the goal and, and got enough on it to to get it in um just kind of a ridiculous like one of those that you're probably never going to see again <laughs> um yep. I mean, I think guys like Will Kramer, Magnus Steele, uh guys like that need are going to need to going to need to step up for sure um 
you know, and, and, and possibly play a little bit, play a little bit bigger than maybe they've played yeah. in, in the past there, um, you know, and play, play up and down, play up and down the field. More. Yeah. Um, um, another, another guy for Bedford that um, I've been kind of, uh, when I've seen them, I've been impressed with is uh, Derek Greer uh, again at, at attack. He's uh, he's been a guy that feel like every time I see him, he's got four or five assists. Um, yep. So he's another guy that that I think they're going to need to to probably have a big game. Who's going to have to? I mean, he's going to have a tough time, you know, because he's probably going to get one of, um, I, well, I would imagine one of, you know, BG's uh, top three defenders on him. So that's that's going to be a, a, a tough day, um, trying to get around or get away from those guys. Yeah, and you know, I like uh, on defense. You know, I thought I, I felt that Will Enters has had a pretty good year this year. Um, you know, still not the not the biggest kid, but like has has played really well this year. Smart player. Um, play, plays a little bit more physical than maybe people would expect. Um, so, you know, he's going to, he's going to have to have a big day, um, you know, but hey, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you even begin with BG? I mean, let's, let's talk, you know, we, I think sometimes we, we talk about how good they are and we neglect to actually talk about some of their guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, who you, you've watched them play a bunch this year. Who are you expecting to, you know, I guess you could name off, you know, half the roster, but like right, who, yeah. who would be early in the game when they need to get, when they need to take charge, who are some of the guys that you would, you know, we talked about JJ in the face-off circle, obviously, and then after that, we're, we're, who are you well, expecting to kind of shine? I guess this is a, this would be a good a good point to to plug something I'm working on. Uh, so tomorrow or on Tuesday, also going to have posted a uh, a nice little story, I think, on on BG's top three uh, guys on defense: uh, Aiden Ahern, uh, John Sullivan, and uh, Matt Cranny. And I think those, I, I, you know, when you you look at at what they do. You know, the, the scoring is the thing that jumps out, you know, that they're averaging, I don't know, sure. something like 18, 19 goals a game or something like that. And it's like, you know, anywhere between eight to a dozen guys who are getting goals. Uh, but really, I think what allows them, you know, to do those kind of things are those three other guys that I mentioned, you know, on defense. Um, I, I don't think it's any any big surprise to anyone that, that those three are probably the top polls in the state um i don't think that's you know there's a couple other really good ones um you know timberlane's billy savage comes to mind we mentioned you know declan turner from pinkerton um i'm I'm, there's probably a handful of other guys but i think these three are are without a doubt the top three they'd be the number one guy on on any team um and it's you know you're able to clean up a lot of mistakes when you have that kind of depth back there um you know one guy gets beat and all of a sudden he's not you know you're not getting help from, you know, a guy who is maybe a little green. You're getting help from a guy who's, you know, an all-state player going on to uh, play D1 lacrosse next year. Um, so, I mean, that's I think that's where everything really starts for them, and, and I don't have any doubt that that's going to be the case tomorrow or on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, how about how about offensive, uh, offensively for BG? Well, I mean, we could, I, like you said, we're just going to read down the roster, I guess. Cause <laughs> <laughs> really, there's, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's like, even in a case like this, it's like, oh, maybe we should just, you know, we single out the seniors. The seniors play well. But, I mean, there's like there's like a dozen seniors on this team that are all contributing offensively. I mean, um, I mean, I bit, get it, Joe, but we got the, lis- <laughs> the listeners and the parents. They want to know. You know I, yep, yep. They want to know. Um, I mean, Dawson Clark's the guy that, that, I, I think is probably everyone expects to, to be there. Um, sure. You know, he's probably the guy that, that gets the most, um, uh, you know, attention um, when he's healthy, uh, which it seems like he has been, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, John Kokorian has had a big year for them too. Um, I feel like I see his name every time in the box score. Um, yep. You know, he's had a couple highlight goals um, all year. 
Uh, Declan Wilkie finds ways to get in there too. Um, I, I think I feel like he's a guy that um, you know maybe uh, doesn't get as much recognition again because of the, some of these other guys, but he's always you know putting in a couple goals or has a couple assists. Um, so I'd wa- you know watch for him to have a big game too. Um, and, and Michael Kiley uh, and Nick McGovern too always seem to find their way into the into the, the box score as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there's there's a, a ton of other guys that um, I feel like any one of any one of them could have a, a night and go off for them. You know, one guy that um, I didn't know about going into the year, didn't know too much about that has also feel like he's had a big year was Brady Dumont, uh, who was a I was just going to mention but, Dumont. Yeah, they've had yeah. they've had some freshmen step up for him yeah. this year. We uh, we scrimmaged them in the beginning of the year, and they basically you know played their freshmen and and a few JV guys and, and bottom ends. Uh, varsity guys and and you know from from seeing Dumont play in that game to where where he's where he is now uh you know I I got to coach him at Tomahawks you know he's he's had an incredible year it's rare that you see a freshman be able to uh to step up and play at the level that he's played at given the competition level too in in division one and who they play on a regular basis so yeah would not surprise me to see him him in the box score an awful lot I will say um you know, Co- Coach Cameron sends over uh, his scores after uh, every game. I haven't seen his name as much in the last couple of games, so I'm not sure if he's maybe might be hurt or maybe he's just maybe they're just rotating so many guys in. Um, but I, I mean, he's had a big year for them, and, and certainly a guy to uh, you know, like we said, a freshman, certainly a guy to keep watch uh, over on for the next couple of years. And uh, so I guess so. Those two games, Tuesday night, uh, like we said, four and seven, uh, four o'clock at Exeter, seven o'clock at Bedford. If you uh, if you want to go driving around the down the, around the state to try to see some some lacrosse on Tuesday, um, and those teams play the winners of those games play Saturday uh, in the boys final, four thirty at Bedford. Uh, of course, we'll talk about that more uh, later this week um, once we once we know for sure who's in those games. Um, yeah, and you know, let's. Um, I mean, we, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but but I I did ha- was fortunate enough to see um, probably I, I don't want I don't know if upsets the right word because we certainly thought Timberlane had a shot at beating Hollis Brookline. I think what was was the surprise to me was the fact that they were able to put up 14 goals on a team that that um, you know didn't give up a ton this year, and then on the other side hold them to nine, which was a season low. I don't Hollis hadn't scored less than 10 all year. Uh, I. To me, I think this game would have been less surprising had it been a first-round matchup. I think what surprised everybody was how dominant Hollis was against Wyndham, right? right. The team yep. that, you know, yeah. coming into the playoffs, unfortunately, it was a lot like uh, in 2019 where Hollis's schedule wasn't necessarily setting them up for, for success in the playoffs. And, and everybody had the same questions like, well, you know, they're going to play this good Wyndham team. You know, are they suddenly going to get, you know, just a, a rude awakening on, on defense? And, you know, they, they won fairly easily. They gave up 10 goals, but they saw, some of those goals came later in the hat. It was a, it was a fairly comfortable. It was a very comfortable victory um, for them. And then, you know, they roll through Keene and they're coming in here. And, uh, you know, again, I, I would have said, you know, I, I felt that Timberlane could win this game. However, if you had told me the score was going to be 14 to nine, I would have, I would have bet that, that Hollis had won that game. Right. Yeah. Um, just yeah. given that, you know, throughout the season, coach Blaska and Timberlane have played a lot of, uh, I, I, I don't, without looking here, um, I haven't, I don't remember too many games where they scored double digits, 
they they either won or lost a lot of you know low scoring single digit games and that's that was the formula that I thought you know if they were going to win this game it'd be like a like a nine seven eight six type of type of game um, because they've got guys like Billy Savage and Joe Schivel on defense and they, they had I mean the reason I thought that they had a chance in this game is because I felt like they had some guys that matched up really well defensively Brady Marston's a very good goalie. Um, and I just felt like, you know what, they could they could win a low scoring, grind it out kind of game. But I mean, it arguably you were at the game. I mean, you can tell it, it started to it started to get, you know, pull away in the in the second <laughs> half. And, and uh, so, Hollis so, did yeah. make it a little bit closer. But yeah, in the second half, it started to get pulled away. Right. Even even the second quarter. So so going back to what you said about um, the question about double digits. So I, I pulled up their schedule real quick and they had going into the quarterfinals. They had nine games. Uh, where they scored double digits. Uh, those were against uh, one against Keene, one against North, one against Oyster River, uh, one against Wyndham that they lost, and then three against Alvern and two against Spalding. Um, okay, so, so they, they were able to put up double double digit goals, but but against um, you know not against some of the the top teams, which they did play. Right. I mean, they played Winnicott twice, they played Portsmouth twice, uh, they That's played what Wyndham I mean. twice. They, yeah. You know, Oyster River twice, who, you know, those were tough games, um, even, you know, with getting wins in those two. They had been battle-tested going into this one. For uh, sure. So, yeah, I, I coming from, from Londonderry, I, I ended up getting there um, early in the second quarter. Um, it had been, a, I guess it had been a back-and-forth kind of first quarter. Hollis had a 6-4 lead with about, I want to say, like nine minutes to go in the first half when I got there. And uh, by the time it got to halftime, it was uh, an 8-6 lead for, for Timberlane. Uh, in all, it was an 8-0 run, four goals in each court in each uh, half there, um, and it was it was 12 to six um, in the se- in the third quarter. When you're right, yeah, uh, Hollis started coming back. They scored a goal uh, right before the end of the third, and then a couple more to make it 12-9. Um, you know, right before or excuse me, yeah, 12-9 early in the fourth quarter. So yeah, they um, they did make it a, a little bit closer, but just didn't have enough to get over it. And you know, I think this was another one where um, definitely the weather came in, in into into play. Um, you know, because it's hot out, you're you're frustrated. Um, you know, things aren't going your way, and and I can definitely it definitely seemed like it snowballed a little bit on Hollis at times, like a lot of lot of unforced uh, mistakes. I mean, they were Hollis was 19 of 22 on faceoffs. That's what that's what Coach Blasky had told me yeah. that they, they he thought they won three or four faceoffs all day so he they was, won he was right and uh, yeah they won all three of their faceoff wins came in the second half um, two of them were early in the third quarter when they conti- they were continuing that run um, yeah so it was I mean and a lot of it times it was Hollis would win the faceoff and then turn the ball over somehow. Um, you know, so it was, yeah, they were, they were getting up and going in one direction and then turn around and getting them back in transition, going the other way. Uh, and at one point, um, oh, where's, we need, see, this is, this is where we, we need the, uh, the physical programs here. Cause it takes me forever to flip through the online program here to get names. Um, Eric George had a fantastic game. I was just uh, going to bring up Eric George. He, it sounded like he was. It sounded like he was unstoppable seven, in that game. But every seven time, goals. every time they went to him, yeah. And I, I texted yeah. you after one of them because he. There was one uh, in the third quarter there where he just went right down the middle and scored on a behind the back goal that I just like my jaw dropped because I. I mean, not to take anything away from from Timberlane, but I didn't know. 
I honestly didn't know that they had some of that in them. Um, and I think it texted you at that point and was like, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Um, but just a, a fantastic performance by him. Um, like I think you, said, you I think you texted me at one point and asked if any BG kids had transferred back transferred to Timberland. Timberland? Uh-huh. No, uh, I don't think so. No, no. Um, <laughs> but and you mentioned you mentioned Brady Marston earlier, too, and he had a phenomenal second half in that game. He finished with 19 saves. Um, yeah, Billy Savage and, and Joe Chevelle on, on defense were huge. Um, you know, they moved both of those guys around. Um, kind of, you know, mixed it up against Hollis Brookline, took away some of their top guys. So it was, I mean, it, it was just a, a fantastic performance overall by Timberlane. And and I think what, what Coach Blasco was, was most excited about afterwards was a lot of the stuff that they had been working on all season, they did exactly the way they wanted to do it in that game. So it was, that's, yeah. that's what he told me. It's, it's, it all came together, but it's still, I mean, in the end, it still sounds like Hollis had opportunities. I mean, if Brady really had 19 saves, they gave up, uh, they gave up nine. I mean, so 27, 27 shots on, or uh, sorry, 28 shots on goal plus other ones that probably missed. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of offense right there. Right. So, um, you know, that's, um, you know, kudos to uh, to Timberlane for executing when they had when they had the ball there. So it it, it does. It sounds like that uh, maybe you know combination of, of game plan and, and forcing uh, Hollis into difficult situations as well as Brady playing well led to uh, just a a tough day a tough day for for Hollis on offense there. Yeah, a, a really a really tough one for them. Um, but I I want to say you know um, again only having seen them a couple times in the last week or so. Um, it just seems that that you know Dom Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, their coach, uh, his first year as a head coach there. Um, I think he's probably taken a huge step forward with that program. Um, you know they they kind of churned through head coaches the last couple of years, uh, and it just seemed like there was a lot more, um, a lot more discipline, a lot more, you know, just cohesion within that within the sideline within the team. Um, from what I saw in the, in the, the short time that I was there, um, it, it just it seems like he's got them headed on the right on the right path um, from where they were a couple of years ago. No, no doubt. I mean, he, he's a he's a great he, he's a great coach, great player. Uh, comes from you know solid background. You know, being a, a Bishop Girton grad. You know, played played at UMass. Um, you know, he, he knows how to he knows how to get the best out of kids. And uh, you know, the longer the longer he's there. Um, no doubt they will continue. They will continue to, uh, evolve as a program and get better and better. So, um, so that puts Timberlane, uh, in the semifinals. I, I don't know. I was told that that was the first time in program history that they've made the semis. Um, I did see someone mention on, online that, that, that they made them in 2009. Um, of course the, you know, wonderful record keeping, uh, online is not, uh, not quite what it should be. So I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but, Either way, it's the first or second time they've been in the Final Four, um, where um, they will actually make the trip up to uh, Kingswood uh, on Wednesday for a 6 o'clock start, uh, with Kingswood beating Hanover uh, in one of the other quarterfinals uh, in, in comeback fashion there. I know we were we were chatting about it, because um, I was over at uh, the Dairyfield girls game as that game was going on, and uh, Hanover was up 5-3, I think, at halftime. And, uh, but I think, it, I think it got to 6-4 at one yeah. point. And then, um, and then Kingswood comes back and wins uh, ten to six. So, um, you know, big win for them. Another another program uh, probably hasn't been in the, the final four in, in at least not in Division Two um, quite some time. 
So good to see. Uh, uh, good I'm, to see them I'm trying there. to think. It might have been, uh, you know, it, it might the last time might have been in 2010 when they played us in the championship in Division Three. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look. Um, but yeah, no, they've had they've had a phenomenal they've had a phenomenal run here. Um, you know, and I, I think, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a tall task for them against, against that Timberlane team. Cause as you said, Timberlane's, you know, they've been battle tested. I think, you know, nothing that Kingsway could do about it, but they, they have not played the strongest schedule this year. So, you know, are they going to match up to the physicality that, that Timberlane is going to bring to, uh, to the table here? Um, you know, if they are, uh, you know, I think you're going to look at guys like David, David Ekstrom at the midfield, uh, Nick Potenza at attack. Um, you know, they've, they've got, they've got a few guys, they've got some guys that can, that can get it done. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's going to be a, a tough game for them. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but great job of, of getting back there again. Yeah. I, you know, the probably shouldn't undersell the, the comeback in the quarterfinals too. I mean, this is a Kingswood team that, that, you know, is, is undefeated, um, Granted, they they played a lot of uh, a lot of games against the same couple of teams up there in the Lakes region. Um, like you said, no, you know, nothing you can do about that. You know, with the way things are this year, um, you know. But to be in that situation where you know you're 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 riding pretty high, you, you're playing a team that um, you haven't seen yet this year, and all of a sudden you're down at halftime by a couple goals. You know, to not you know, it would have been pretty easy probably for Kingswood to to let have everything fall apart at that point. Um, you know, to battle back and get that win, I think is, is a big thing. And, and that can be huge for, you know, the program moving forward too. you know, getting just, just getting to this stage and, and playing this, this game in this round, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, you, you maybe draw more kids out to the program too, you know, that they see this, it's like, oh, you know, what, what do they say that the kids, you know, or people in general, they want to, they want to be around a winner. Um, you know, Absolutely. It, I mean, we said that. Four. Yeah, we yeah. said that in the beginning. You know, if there if there's one good thing that's come out of the pandemic is it's allowed uh, some teams to have more success than maybe they've had in the past, either either through the schedule that they've been able to play, um, you know, and just uh, having matchups that that were that were more uh, advantageous to them have finding finding success. Or you know, if they were getting beat, they weren't getting they weren't getting beat uh, by the margins that maybe they were in the past. Right. Um, you know, was it completely fair? No, absolutely not. You know, there's teams. There, there were examples of that throughout the playoffs. Wyndham and Hollis having to play in the first round. Winnicott and, and Portsmouth having to play in the first round. Um, you know, I think you know, there's th- those were the those were the unfortunate side effects. But uh, you know, King Kingswood and and Timberlane making a Final Four probably probably good for the state in general for the growth yeah, of lacrosse, absolutely. especially in those schools. Yeah. Uh, and then you know the other side. Uh, you mentioned Portsmouth. They uh, they are back in the Final Four uh, after a nine two win over or, uh, Oyster River Newmarket. Um, in a game that, I mean, it sounds like it kind of followed the, the blueprint a bit of, of what Portsmouth has done this year in terms of, of winning games, kind of just grinding it out, uh, playing real solid defense and, and being opportunistic and, and scoring when they can, when they have the, the, um, opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. I mean, I, I talked to coach Haley this afternoon and, uh, you know, we both, we both said there, you know, it's this, it's it's just a Portsmouth team. That's just solid all around. They play really good defense. They make you earn every single goal. And when you make a mistake, they capitalize on it in transition. Um, they I, I, lull you to sleep. Isn't necessarily the right word because they do. They play really good offense, but it's very deliberate. 
and yeah. they, they execute really well. And, you know, they don't make stupid mistakes. They don't, they don't take bad shots. They don't, uh, they don't just, they don't throw skip passes when they don't need to, um, you know, and, and so you, you have to be, you have to play really, really good defense against them or they just, they just wait. And then they, they attack when, when you let down, um, you know, so I, it's uh, that that was exactly the blueprint they followed um, at, at Oyster River. You know, Ruppy said that, you know, he felt like he, his team played really well. They just they Portsmouth took advantage of every mistake that they made, um, you know, and they didn't they didn't execute as well on offense as they want to. But but part of that was because Portsmouth played really, really good defense and, and tried to take away, you know, some of the things that, that Portsmouth wanted to do. Um, coach Fisher is a really good coach, you know, and he, he does his homework. And uh, that sets up a uh, a very familiar matchup, I think, uh, in the in the final four tomorrow. Uh, of course, your your squad, your Dairyfield boys, coming off a, a big win over Pembroke, uh, fifteen to two on Saturday. And uh, you got one more matchup with the Clippers there, uh, heading out to Portsmouth uh, on Wednesday for it's still a five o'clock start, correct? It is, it yeah. Is. Okay. I I just wish I had more information on them. I wish we had played them, you know, sometime in the last <laughs> yeah, you know, couple know, of years. Yeah, I know, right? You haven't seen these guys in forever. <laughs> when was the last playoff meeting? It's been at least two years, right? Three years? Oh wait. <laughs> um, I mean, I yeah. I I mean, it's again, it's it's two it's, teams that know each yeah, other really well. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and and I I think you know it's there are, there are certain things that you know both teams can scout for and you try and take away certain things and you you game plan but uh it, it's really going to come down to I hate to be cliche but it's going to come down to little things and and the stars rising and uh and executing out there on the field. I mean, guys are going to have to make plays when you're this equally matched. Um, you know, I just I I it'll it'll come down to how well guys handle the pressure, handle the playing in the heat, you know, those type right. of things. So um you know, for them, I mean, you know, we're looking at guys like, uh, you know, they have a freshman, Zach Amen, who's played really well, who stepped up um, since uh, Don Maldary, the, the the great junior, went down for them. Uh, Mike Durkin, uh, you know, a, a good, quick lefty, um, has just taken over games at times for them this year. Uh, Nick Smith in the faceoff circle, again, another freshman uh, who, you know, coming into the season, you know, Coach Fisher didn't know a lot about and has just risen up to every every challenge out there and is one of the better faceoff guys in the league. Um, Owen Ingerson on 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 defense, um, you know, great playmaker takes the take some of the guys some some of the best players away. Max Brown, their LSM, um, you know, they they've got guys at every single position. They're really solid. Solid. Um, we're expecting uh, Skyler to be in net. They're they're lefty there. Um, you know, he played great against us the first time there, and uh, you know, it's it's going to be a fun matchup. Oh boy, I, I you just said that now, so I'm expecting I'm expecting Portsmouth to go in the other direction, and he probably will, <laughs> right? He'll probably head games. Coach Fisher's always playing head well, games. Well, I you know you mentioned you, you you mentioned a couple of their guys. I want to I want to mention a couple of your guys too that have impressed me the last few times that I've I've seen you guys. I mean, obviously. Ryan Etzel. Don't give, no, you can't give <laughs> no, Coach Fisher any gotta, stuff now. Come on. Oh, he's already seen you guys. It's no. It's that's true. That's true. All right, fine. <laughs> um, I'll give my guys. Go ahead. Give my guys some press. I mean, Chaz Dean and Ryan Etzel are the two guys that that I think everyone knows about. They've, you know, both solid guys. Um, you know, we were kind of. I think we talked at the beginning of the year who were going to be the guys that step up kind of around them, and you've got a couple of freshmen of your own that have have stepped up. I think in in big spots. Uh, specifically, uh, Chili Cabot and and Alex Murray, who um, you know they they don't play 
like freshmen at this point. I guess technically they're. I mean, you're, what a lot of coaches say, what you're not freshmen at this point. You're you're sophomores at this point um, in the season, and and especially you know Chile, who is uh, they're starting not, to play like it. I they agree are, with you. yeah. The, yep. Chile's not the biggest guy, and and he's thrown himself in spots in these some of these games where again he he might be up there with that with that photographer sitting behind the net. Um, certainly not places that I would want to put myself. Uh, you know, if, if I had a choice on a lacrosse field. So, um, you know, both those guys have impressed me and, and they really seem like they play, um, you know, just with no fear, um, which is uh, nice to see them kind of develop uh, to this point in the year like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with both of them. I mean, if it, you know, to have, I, I can't remember the last time I had two freshmen starting for me and play as well as they've played, um, you know, Chile, Chile does, he plays with no fear. He goes out there and, and some of the shots that he creates for himself are unbelievable. He's got over 50 goals on the season. You know, he's been a distributor when he needs to be, uh, you, you know, Alex Murray and I had a, had a good talk in the beginning, you know, sort of at the midpoint of the season where, you know, he, he was pressing, like he really, he wanted, he was, it was coming from a place of, you know, he really wanted to contribute. And I said, buddy, just trust the process, trust the system and trust the players around you. And when he started doing that, things became easier. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to create too much on his own. He was taking what the other team was giving him. And, uh, you know, he bought into our team offense and, and things are paying off for him now. And he's playing, he's playing really well. So yeah, those are definitely two guys that, that are going to need to step up for us in that game. Um, you mentioned Ryan Etzo and Chaz Dean. When I did the uh, the end of the year uh, regular season stats for both them, go for the All State meeting, I couldn't believe that how well balanced they were. I mean, uh, both were over sixty points on the season, and both have about thirty and thirty in terms of goals and assists. I mean, they're just they're very unselfish guys, and they they step up when they need to in terms of putting it in the back of the net. But one of the hallmarks of our team has always been fine you want to take away one of our guys somebody else will step up you know and they've been a, they've been able to do that um so yeah uh again excited we've got you know guys all over the field ready to ready to step up of course or again though that's uh Dairyfield and portsmouth uh wednesday at, at five and then uh timberlane at kingswood at six on wednesday winners of those games will play actually the late game on saturday um 7 30 start at bedford uh, interesting that they flip those. Usually D2 is the what would be the middle game of, of a, the triple header with D1 going last. But uh, I, I, I like it. I like flipping that around. Given I think with the two uh, with the two games being played there with, with D3 not being played there, the idea was that maybe, you know, D1 tends to draw the, the really large crowd, the biggest crowd of the day. And that uh, I think they were they were hoping that even more people would stick around for, for the oh, D2 game. You know, it's sort of. It, in traditionally in the past when D3, then D2, and then D1 went, the crowd would kind of build during the day. Right. So I think they were trying to hope that, uh, you know, maybe they could, they could get a good crowd from the beginning and sustain it throughout, oh, the, yeah, throughout the whole be, night. That would be nice. So, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, those, those two games, the finals will be on Saturday. Of course, uh, you also have the, uh, the D3 semifinals going on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, of course, Trinity, uh, I, I was actually, this one's a little bit, bit confusing to me or, or interesting. I don't, I don't know what the right word is. Um, you know, because you had, uh, I believe, teams with the same number uh, meeting each other in the in the final four. So um, Trinity is actually heading to Hopkinton uh, for their semifinal game. And then they're both team two. And then you've got Plymouth hosting Lebanon on the other semifinal. Uh, that game's going to be a four o'clock start on Wednesday. 
Uh, they're both team one. Um, I don't know if I was if I was Trinity, I might have fought a little bit to get that game at home just to get it on the turf, uh, the new turf there at, at, at Trinity, rather than having to go uh, play on Hopkinton's grass field. The fickled fate of Lady Luck. It came down to a, a coin flip. The yeah. NHIA, I think, saw this happening earlier and put a statement out that said that the home team, when the two teams' numbers were the same, would be would be determined by a coin flip. So, yeah. <laughs> that's rough like everything like everything else in covid this year right it's yeah. uh it wasn't perfect so uh, yeah no i agree definitely an advantage for for hopkinson to be on be on their home field and on the grass up there um again and too bad you know we talked about you know campbell and trinity having to play early and it's too bad this game isn't isn't in the championship as well i mean i'm sure you know lebanon no no disrespect to lebanon and and, and plymouth I'm sure it'll be a good game too, but uh, you know, from from scores that we've seen during the regular season, a Trinity Hopkinton final would have been would have been a really good final. To I think have. so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I mean, I am curious with uh, your, like you said, with with Plymouth. Um, you know, just um, the the final score uh, in that game against Laconia. I, I mean, I, I they played a couple times in the regular season, and I know Plymouth won. I think most of those, uh, but they beat Laconia twelve to three on Saturday in the quarterfinals, which. Not, I, I expected that game to be a little bit closer. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if they're just hitting uh, all the right, uh, all the cylinders at the right time. Um, you had Lebanon beating Monadnock 12-6 in, in their quarterfinal. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about the how that game's going to turn out. And again, um, Trinity Hopkinton, I think, is going to be um, a fantastic game. And I, so the reason I bring that up uh, with the semifinal was. You know, had that game been at Trinity, uh, I could have you know pulled another double header there, heading over to uh, to Trinity for for the yeah. quarterfinal or excuse me semifinal, and then hitting up Bedford on Wednesday for the uh, the girls final Division Two girls final, but not the case. Um, maybe next time or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, on my side, I I'm really intrigued with the the Hopkinton Trinity matchup. You know, I think um, you know I I think. Earlier in the year, Hopkinton was kind of beat up. They had some guys missing. They've got guys back. Uh, you know, most notably, they were missing Stephen Newton Delgado on defense. Probably, you know, I, I'm assuming he won Defensive Player of the Year, even with the time he missed in Division Three. And if he didn't, uh, you know, I think it, it, the only reason it, it could have been is because of the time he missed. Um, you know, that that's going to be an interesting matchup. Do they put him on Tate Flint? Do they do they put him on Brady Watts? Um, you know, they, they, do they use him in the faceoff circle and just say, look, Watts is going to win. Stand up and try and take the ball away. Yeah. Um, you know, do they do that? I mean, it, you know, no disrespect. I know Aiden Burns has been a, a good faceoff guy for for Hutchinson all season, but I don't think he I don't think he matches up. Um, you know, with, with Brady Watts in terms of in terms of facing off, or do they do they try it? Do they see what it goes? Because correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe these two teams played each other no, during they, the regular they, season. They did not. No. No. Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting, you know, um, you know, for Hopkinton, they've got I feel like they've got more names than than Trinity does in terms of uh, putting putting the ball in the back of the net with the Brown brothers, Ethan Molnar, Hayden Lynch, um, you know, it, it threats around the field there. Um, but, you know, Trinity, you know, they showed the other day Campbell, I, I think on paper, Campbell, you know, technically would have had more guys that you would have thought put it in the back of the net, too. But um, Trinity seems to be hitting their stride right now. Um, you know, not to put you on the spot, but like, what, what did you see? What would you say was different the second time Trinity play, or the, the third time here that Trinity played Campbell? 
Um, and, and any guys stand out to you besides Tate Flint and Brady Watts? Um, I mean, Mace, basically Brady Watts stood out and also Brady Watts stood out. <laughs> and, um, you know what, I'm going to also go with, with Brady Watts, uh, in, as a standout in that game. I, I mean, yeah. not, not to, I, I mean, they played a, a good solid game all around. Um, they, he was just dominant on faceoffs. Um, and, yeah. and Campbell, Campbell couldn't get the ball. So it was five, it was a five, four Campbell game going into the fourth quarter. Trinity won the faceoff to start that quarter. Um, went on a three Oh run. So they were up seven, five. Uh, Campbell didn't get the ball until there was 537 left in the quarter. Wow. Uh, Trinity had the ball the entire time uh, th- thanks to the faceoffs. Uh, Campbell yeah. couldn't get the ball away from them. They couldn't, you know, they, they were getting beat uh, to the end line on shots. Um, you know, and when you're playing that much defense, I, I mean, I don't. It, it doesn't matter who you're, you're playing, who you are. You're going to give up goals. Uh, right. And then it was just a matter of, of could Campbell get back down to the other end and score. And they did. Um, you know, they got it to seven, six, but then Trinity won the faceoff turner right around and scored. So it's eight, six, um, they got it to eight, seven, and they had a chance to tie at the end. They just, they couldn't get Trinity had been playing, um, one defense all game and then switched for that last play. And it threw Campbell off enough that they just, they couldn't get a shot off. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it was. It was largely possession um, that that won Trinity that game, and because throughout the course of the game too, Campbell wasn't able to get the ball much. They just were able to take advantage of their opportunities when they had them, and also, um, you know, their their um, goalie also was lights out early in that game too. You know, got to mention him too, um, Ryan Garrett, a, a sophomore for them. He was just unbelievable early in that game, um, and really, it was a one nothing game after a quarter. And it could have been easily could have been three one Trinity. So, well, that'll be that's why to me I think it's I think that game is so intriguing. You know to see I, I think you know overall I, I would say Hopkinton you know has has more guys, but uh, when you have weapons like like Tate Flint and, and Brady Watts, you know is it will that be en- will that be enough uh, for for them there? It'll be it'll be a really fun. I wish I wish that game was a Trinity too. You know, and I might be <laughs> might have been able to get over there and catch some of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the so. way that's the way the coin flips i guess that's uh, the way the coin yeah. flips um uh, yeah so those are that's uh the winners of those games um play also play saturday uh in the finals uh but that game will be up at uh laconia at five o'clock on saturday so not no triple head championship header game or we, saturday uh this year unfortunately um but yeah that should be um again we'll talk we'll talk more about that one uh later later in the week as well So while the boys will be playing uh, semifinals on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, the girls will be crowning uh, champions uh, the same two days. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got all three now uh, championship games set for the girls in Division One. Uh, you got Bishop Girton and Pinkerton playing Tuesday at seven at Exeter. Uh, Division Three also on Tuesday at seven at Laconia. Got Hopkinton and Derryfield in a rematch of the uh, 2019 final. Uh, which was a pretty pretty exciting game. We actually talked a little bit about that game last week. Uh, if you we said remember. we talked about we talked about the card situation. Yep. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, which actually there was another card situation uh, in Saturday's uh, semifinal between BG and Bedford, but it did not really become uh, an issue. Uh, and then um, on Wednesday, uh, just 
uh, getting getting scores across uh, the the internet here. So hot hot off the the uh, well not really hot off the press, I guess, but uh, hot off the internet. Uh, we're gonna have Hollis Brookline and Portsmouth playing in the D two girls final. That game will be seven o'clock Wednesday at Bedford. Of course, this is all uh, assuming that the weather cooperates. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, of course, there's been thunderstorms. Uh, potentially rolling through the area, so always a good idea to check with your uh, with your uh, schools or or administrators or whoever uh, before heading out to a game. Or you know what, um, you could also check nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, we've been been pretty good about updating the uh, playoff schedules, I think, uh, so far this spring. So yeah, you can always check that out too if there's for any changes. That game's an interesting game to me, Joe. They haven't. They, those two teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe they played during the regular season. That's and um, you mean Hollis Brookline and Portsmouth? I do. Yeah. I know yeah. they did. They did not. Um, and it's it's tough. There aren't a lot of comparable scores. I mean, they did both play Winnicott. Uh, you know, Hollis won. Hollis won thirteen to eight the first time around there, and then um, you know Portsmouth, you know, handily won twenty to four and eighteen to nine. Um, you know, I, I got to believe going into that, that, you know, Portsmouth should be a pretty heavy favorite in there, but, uh, you know, that's, that's great. Uh, Hollis Brookline girls making it back to making it back to the finals. I am trying to remember back to 2019. Did they, did they come up just short? I, I, I remember them having a really yeah, good season they were, that year. They were, um, they were, so, so 2018, they, I believe it was 2018. They upset Winnicott in the semifinals. So Winnicott was like, I, I want to say they were undefeated. Yep. Uh, and they were actually the num- the one seed, and they and uh, Hollis upset them after losing, I think, big to them, uh, maybe like the last week of the regular season. Um, so it was like a, a pretty good upset. And, I think um, that's what I'm remembering. I think that's yeah, that's the one I remember. So they yeah. they ended up going on and losing to Portsmouth in the final, and then the next year Hollis had a better regular season. I want to say they were the two or the three seed that <clears> year, uh, and then they ended up losing to Winnicott in the semis. So they've been, you know, since they moved, um, you know, they were they were initially down in, in D three, won a couple championships there, uh, you know, made the the ambitious jump up to D one for a couple of years, uh, struggled a little bit up there towards the end, and came back down to D two, which I think is a the good is a right the right spot for them, um, you know, and and they've had some success there the last couple of years, um, you know, Jim Maxwell, the head coach over there. Um, you know he's done a great job uh, getting that program uh, to the level that it's at uh, the last couple of years, and um, you know it, it was. I I, I want to go back to the to their quarterfinal game on Saturday because that one kind of even opened my eyes a little bit. I, I saw them this year play Wyndham the first time around, and um, you know <laughs> talking about yellow cards, it felt like the refs were giving yellow cards out in that game for anyone that breathed on someone else. Um, you know, you like, you like took your mask off. You got a yellow card. Um, it, it felt like, so it was, um, it was a tough game for, for both, both teams to kind of adjust to Wyndham, Wyndham ended up winning that game 12 to eight. Uh, and, and I didn't really notice it at the time, but it was like the first time that Hollis had played in like two and a half weeks because they had had, uh, they weren't allowed to play over April break. So they had that week off. And then the following week, I, or, or at some point in between there, um, I think they had a, a positive COVID or, or a close contact uh, COVID situation uh, because they had their two games that week uh, postponed. So they hadn't played for a while. And then they, you know, then they come back and they lose two games to Sauhegan, um after that Wyndham game. So for them to turn around, um, you know, beat Wyndham 8-5, and then they go up to Hanover and win 12-8 uh, on Monday, 
um, you know, that's a, a, a nice job, um, you know, by Coach Maxwell Coach and, and his crew and, and um, really uh, excited to see what they can do against Portsmouth. But I think you're right, Portsmouth goes in as, as a pretty heavy favorite there. Um, I'm not sure they've lost, um, you know, outside yeah. of uh, – I know they lost to Portsmouth – or excuse me, to Pinkerton earlier this year. And um, I'm trying to remember they who lost else they played. Bedford. They lost to Bedford by one. Right, okay, Bedford. So, so I mean, that's – that's it's, a pretty that, good resume. That tells you a lot. That tells yeah. you a lot right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so. an, an, a uh, first year coach over there in, at Portsmouth and, and Jojo Kiro, and she's done a, a fantastic job just kind of, you know, I mean, that they've had success, quite a bit of success in the last decade. And, and uh, you know, looks like it's going to continue on over there. Um, yeah. That, so that game is Wednesday, um, Tuesday night. Uh, BG Pinkerton, which I mean, how do you not get excited for that that matchup? Uh, whether it's on the boys or the girls' side, um, you know. But I and I, I think I think though, um, you know, again with the the way the brackets lined up and everything, we might have had a, a this one might not be as competitive as BG's game against Bedford was on uh, on Saturday. Uh, if you're looking at the regular season scores, probably, unfortunately, no. Uh, still still the, the name cachet that comes with it. And there's still going to be some great players. Both teams have a lot of players playing in college next year. But but I do think there, there's opportunity for coaching adjustments there and to slow down the pace of the game. You know, it's kind of similar to what we talked about, you know, that, that Bedford would need to do to BG on the boys' side. Right. Can they do, can yeah. they do that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, that um, that first game, um, the first Pinkerton BG girls game was kind of like that in the first half. You know, it was one of those things where it felt like the game was was being evenly played to a degree, but BG was scoring and Pinkerton wasn't. So it was it it, it started getting out of hand, but it didn't feel necessarily that way uh, on the field, which was a little strange. Yeah, and so you know, again, it, it's going to be it's going to be even harder to do that in a in a in a semi or in a in a championship game, you know, in in the weather. It's going to be you, you have to spend a lot of energy to do that, and it's going to be really hot out, um, you know. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of things working against them. If they if they're able to pull it off, it'll be, be an incredible feat. Yeah, I w- I do want to go back and talk about the semifinal game a little bit because it was uh. Sure. I mean, it was something else. Um, just the the whole set, not just the game itself, but just the situation that both teams were in. Um, you know, of course, Bedford. There was a, a weather delay with the game before that, uh, the Sauhegan and Bedford uh, boys semifinal game. I rolled up there. You know, I I think I left I left Dairyfield. What? Maybe like seven o'clock, and thought, all right, I got. I'm gonna get there right as the game's almost about to start, and. You know, thinking about going home and having some dinner afterwards, and and just kind of relaxing for for a little bit, and uh, sure enough, I pull up and they're just starting the second half of the boys' game, and <laughs> and I, I was <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess I'm I guess I'm getting some extra lacrosse in here. Um, I, I want to say by the time they the boys' game finished, they let the girls warm up, everybody got out on the field and they started. It was like eight forty-five, almost eight fifty. And and I want to say it ended probably like around ten fifteen ten thirty somewhere in there, um, and and from what uh, you know BG coach uh, Leslie Y was saying, the girls had started getting ready for the game at three uh, thirty, so wow. th- they had about five hours uh, to go uh, for and and it, and I guess at first they were talking about potentially making them come back on Sunday and play Sunday morning, uh, but 
fortunately, uh, fortunately for everyone, um, that it didn't end up being the case. Uh, and and what was really, um, I, I hope this kind of showed in in the video that I got because it was really cool to watch. Was as the second half started, uh, the temperature was started to drop a little bit, but the, I think the turf was still hot because there was just this fog that came in and kind of coated as the, as the half went on. It just got thicker and thicker, and it got to the point where, you know, I was standing on one side of the field um, that, that uh, BG was defending, and as they're trying to kill clock on the other side, I'm, I'm trying to take video of them, and m my lens wouldn't, it was on autofocus, and it kept, it couldn't focus because there was so much fog. It was losing the kids as they were going to the other side of the field. Um, so it just, it had this really cool feeling to it, almost like a, you know, like what you would expect, like in a movie or something, you know? Um, we, we had a similar experience. We had the rain delay at our girls game too. And, uh, you know, it did, it drops like 10 yeah. degrees and then you could, but, but on the turf, you could feel it sort of as it passed through, you could <laughs> feel it start to heat back up again. We didn't get the full, you know, exactly what you're describing there. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and it was, I mean, it was one of those things It was that game started off and BG looked like they were firing on, again on all cylinders. It's a, it's a five, one game. And then all of a sudden Bedford, you know, not only is, is winning the draw, but is able to, to keep possession. Um, and they, you know, they're, they were winning draws so cleanly that they were able to go right down the field and score in, in the last, uh, 10 minutes plus of the half, they went on a, a six Oh run. And all of a sudden, BG's looking at a 7-5 deficit going into halftime, uh, which I don't – I'm not sure if they had trailed in any game. Uh, maybe the first game they played against Sauhegan this year. That might have been the only other game that they had trailed at halftime. Um, you know, so so that was uh, that was a bit of a shock. Um, you know, and they made some changes. Um, mixed up the draw, uh, put Katie Campbell on the, on the draw, who's, um, you know uh, – They've got a bunch of tall girls, but she might be the tallest of all of them. Um, and that was kind of how they figured they were going to be able to win the draws or at least neutralize Bedford a little bit was get the ball in the air right. and, uh, and grab it. Um, and that's, you know, they did enough of that to, to come back and, and win that game. Uh, well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see time around if they need to um you know so um you know looking do we want to transition and talk a little bit about the, the d3 championship yep, yeah we got it yeah let's talk about that one too a couple of again a, a, a team you're very familiar with uh, going up there um it's got to be it's got to be exciting because i mean i feel like these are, are a bunch of kids that um you know we've talked about um you know for for quite some time um oh, over the last four years you know lucy lakata Lauren McLean, Shauna Lemery's. I mean, they've been they've been waiting a long time for this opportunity. They've they've had some uh, they've had some good teams in the past, but this is uh, you know I, I said coming into the season I didn't want to put a bullseye on them, but they they've embraced they they embraced it though yeah, they did yeah. they worked really hard and they knew that they've got the talent and they've gone out and and performed time and time again and uh, you know knock on wood if they're able to get it done. Uh, tomorrow night, then they, they'll have they'll have proven it. They've gone through. I mean, I I would argue they've had the at looking at all the random draws they could have had, they they probably had one of the hardest draws. I mean, to go yeah. on the road to Bo, to go on the road to St. Thomas, uh, and now to have to play Hopkinton in in the finals, uh, it was not it was not an easy uh, easy draw for them by any means. They they played the uh, the medal of the division here, and they 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 will have earned it. But uh, you know they're they're going up against arguably a very hot Hopkinton team right now. 
it's uh it's a team that you know during the regular season they split with um right. Jerry Field won the first game pretty handedly and then Hopkinson made some adjustments and I, I want to say that was a was an 8-7 I think I think that's sound, yeah that sounds right yeah time around um so you know it'll be interesting to see you know did did Hopkinson show too many cards in that in that second one did they kind of show the perfect game plan there and now can Jerry Field adjust to that or do they have do they have more that they can bring out? So that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Is you know the adjustments that the two coaches learned from from the two games that they they played during the regular season. That's again the drawback to playing uh, twice in a row during the regular season is you you, you had to decide how much you were going to show, and a lot of a lot of coaches had to show a lot during the regular yeah. season. Uh, yeah, uh, um, they want Derryfield won at home fifteen to six, and then Hopkinton won at home eight to seven. So. Again, that yep. comes into play too. Is is you know the the turf to the grass and this game being up at Laconia, uh, at their on their turf field, um, which is, you know, I, I it's it's not a huge stadium uh, by any means, but it is it is certainly a fun place to watch a game. Um, you know, it, it's a really nice uh, nice setup they've got there. They've got that hill on the other side too, where where you can um, you know certainly sit up there and, and and watch as well. It's a nice. I imagine um, I haven't been there for too many football games, but. Uh, I imagine when, or at least not any Laconia games, uh, they've played the D4 championship game there the last couple of years. So that was, um, you know, that was nice to see um, that kind of setup. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure that might favor Dairyfield a little bit too, playing on the turf. Playing on the, playing on the fast track definitely, yeah. definitely helps the, uh, if, if your team's more skilled, it helps because, you know, obviously it's a faster game mistakes that are made by the other team get magnified because the ball doesn't stay in bounds. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I know in the boys on the boys side, it definitely makes a di- It definitely yeah. makes a difference in terms of, in terms of play. And I, I got to think it's pretty similar to in the, in the girls game too. Um, I will say that the girls game tends to, be, it tends to be more in, in the air, I guess, if that makes sense. Like the ball, I don't think the ball goes on the ground as much in the girls game as it does in the boys game. Yeah. And so I, I, I do think that that does make a difference. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think our girls are really comfortable. Dairy feels really comfortable playing on the turf. And um, you know, so I do think that will be an advantage for them there. I feel like you yeah. don't, you don't see as many bounce shots in the girls game either. I could be wrong about right. that, but, but I mean, and that, and that kind of plays into it too. I mean, there's certainly the, the ball takes a different bounce off turf than it does off grass. Yeah. You know, in the boys game, you see a lot of times you see, you see grass teams knowing how to shoot that high bounce shot or, yeah. you know, knowing the different spots on the crease that's going to hit where the ball is going to take a weird skip and, and cause the goalies problems on there. And uh, I agree with you. It doesn't, again, not having coached the girls game. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but it, it doesn't appear that that, in my opinion, it doesn't appear that that would be as big of a difference in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, should be um, should be a couple of uh, hopefully some exciting games here to finish out the year. Um, definitely some great matchups in terms of, uh, I guess in terms of some some history. Yeah, I mean, I guess I hadn't thought about that. We've got a couple of rematches from two from twenty nineteen and then one from twenty eighteen. That's um, yeah, kind of an interesting thing how that works out that way, especially given how you know different this year was and the bracket breakdown and and all this other stuff. Um, and you know, I think in a lot of cases too, um, the teams that we kind of looked at as being favorites going into the year um, are are in these spots. Uh, you know, in the championship games. Somehow, even through random draw, a lot of you know the good teams found each other. So in the end, we you know we kind of said like it it stinks that some of these games happened earlier, but 
you know, to win a championship, you, you got you to gotta beat the best teams. And, uh, you know, it, it's sort of proven true that, you know, the teams that, uh, the teams that deserve to be there, they're, they're finding a way to get to the end of the season. Uh, well, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on uh, any of the action that's coming up over the next couple of days? Uh, you know, I think there's going to be some great, uh, great semifinal matchups. Really excited for that, uh, that Pinkerton uh, Exeter yeah. one on the boys' side. Obviously, I'm excited for our opportunity to go out to uh, to Portsmouth. Um, you know, always always a fun battle. Um, you know, on the Division three and the Division three boys' side, really intrigued by the the Trinity uh, Hopkinson game. You know, and then as we as we mentioned, all all three of the uh, the girls' championships uh, bring name cachet with it. You know, yeah. I think I think um, you know great great rematches and and schools with a lot of uh, school spirit and pride. I think. That's the other thing is I think it's nice. We've kind of gotten to the point, like you mentioned earlier, that you're going to see some nice crowds. Uh, you know, I think everybody's going to be respectful and, and be socially distant and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I think it's going to feel pretty close to, you know, what we missed out on last last June, you know. So it would be great, great to get back there. As, as hectic as it is as spring playoffs are um, after not having not getting to deal with it last year, I'm, I'm really uh... – I'm really appreciative of it this year, despite the craziness uh, of of the last week and this week. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the chaos, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, you know, one one other thought here too. I don't know how I forgot this, but I I think on Saturday I met um, I got to meet the future uh, All American goalie from from Dairyfield there, uh, in between the in between the games. That was uh that was fun. Was that uh was that his first? That game? was that was that was Mr. Colton. It yeah. was his it was his second game. Second he game. Uh, he did better. He did better this time around. It was a little earlier in the day. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's a little he's a little fussy come five six o'clock at night. So uh, are, we're are we're we not all? sure we're not sure he's going to make the uh, semifinal game. <laughs> um, you know we'll, we'll see. So all the more reason why we're hoping we're hoping for a good outcome on Wednesday and to make it to uh, to Saturday. Yeah, but he uh, he enjoyed he enjoyed himself. He looked like yeah, yeah. he looked like he was enjoying enjoying himself. And I'm, I'm yeah, it was it was nice to meet well, him. Well, well, he's ha- he when when Daddy's happy, he's happy. So <laughs> when the Cougar when the Cougars win, you know he's in, he's in a good mood. So oh. it was a good day. So. Well, he is uh, Dairy Field AD and, and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again uh, for doing this. And uh, and and I guess we're uh, we don't have to uh, tell people to wait too long. We're going to turn around and, and put another one of these together uh, towards the end of the week. So we'll we'll chat with you then. Sounds good. All right. I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, thanks again for listening.